Welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Hamilton. Last week, we talked about the first ships that brought people to the new world. And this week, we're going to talk about what happened next. To tell you what that is, let's introduce our first guest. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. I'm nine years old and I'm from Oklahoma. This week, we're going to learn about the first settlement in America, Jamestown. Elizabeth has some great questions about the Jamestown settlement, and then we have the perfect person here to answer them, Nancy Egloff, who is a historian, guess where? The Jamestown settlement. And then later in the episode, we're going to have a really special guest, but that one's a surprise, so you're just going to have to stick around. With that, we're going to jump right in. Elizabeth, take it away with your first question. Why did they choose Jamestown? Well, um, the Virginia Company chose Jamestown because they, first of all, and students may have learned in last week's session that they couldn't settle further south along the North American coast because the Spanish had taken over those areas in Florida and just above Florida. Okay. So the English were looking at the mid-Atlantic around the Chesapeake Bay, and they were looking for a couple of... Um, they had a couple of criteria they were searching for in the Bay Area. They wanted the ship's captains to look for a river that mm-hmm. bent, that went inland, in toward the land, and went towards the northwest. Oh, gosh, that's, that's very specific. Because, <laughs> right, and that's because you may remember the whole thing about the Northwest Passage. They were looking for a way to get to the other side of this continent, and they didn't think it was very large. So they could get to the wonderful riches that um, the English knew were coming out of what's called the Orient or the East Indies, things like silk and spices. And they could not go south around the continent of Africa because the Portuguese controlled that area. So they had to go west. But they also wanted, they wanted to establish their settlement site, Jamestown, about 100 miles up this river, not down where the river empties into the Chesapeake Bay because they are afraid of those Spanish down there in Florida that they might come up and wipe out a colony if they put it right on the coast. So they picked this island, explored it down the river and picked this island that they realized had very deep water right up close to the shore so they could moor their ships close into the shore of the island, and they also realized this island did not have any Indians living on it. Okay. There were reasons for that, but they thought that was a good thing. So, um, <laughs> they didn't take that as a hint, huh? <laughs> right. They didn't get the hint that it was not the best place to live. So there's no Indians, so let's settle here. So there were a variety, variety of reasons why they chose, and I think this probably is what Elizabeth is, is asking mm-hmm. about, yes. why they chose that location to establish their first settlement. Okay, thank you. Elizabeth, what's your next question for Nancy? Why did Pocahontas stick up for the settlers? Oh, that's a good one. And I imagine there might be more to that story than most of us know. Well, um, I'm not sure that we can actually say Pocahontas did stand up for the settlers. Sometimes it seems like she did. But I like to tell people that we really don't know what Pocahontas is true 
thoughts and feelings were when she was interacting with the English. We really don't know it's the motivations. Mm -hmm. We don't know if she was a curious young woman. I'm sure she must have been, or she would not have gone to the extent that she did yeah, with the English. But, I would think so. Um, we don't know for certain that she rescued John Smith because we don't know for certain that he was actually going to lose his life when... Um, he thought her father, Powhatan, was going to kill him. Mm -hmm. We don't know that that was really going to happen. And so when he writes about that much later, that Pocahontas rescued him from, from death, we don't know for certain that that incident even happened. Um, we don't know why she came along with her father's men and women when, he, when her father sent um, some of his men and some women to James Fort with food to feed the hungry colonists in the early years. We don't. Mm -hmm. We know that she did come along because there's a couple of references to that, but we don't know why. We don't. We know that she was considered by the English. The English thought she was her father's favorite daughter, hmm. and so you know, is she saying to her daddy, "Daddy, can I go too, please?" <laughs> yes. And so he let her go along with them, or was he sending her along for some other reason that we? can't surmise or don't don't understand so sure. we know that she came with some of them and that's when um that was would have been after she would have first met john smith in her father's village back in um january of 1608 then later that spring she came along and she met up with john smith again and and they had more talks and um and um he learned some of the um powhatan algonquian language from her and they interacted oh, a bit and um, and then we don't know why I keep saying this, but we don't mm -hmm. we don't know yeah. why she married John Rolfe, the tobacco planter. Right. Um, we don't know if she truly loved him, mm -hmm. or was she being used by the Indians as a sort of an ambassador, a way to make a, um, to create an ally with the right. English, um, like friends with the English, so that the English would help her father and his warriors in battles against his enemy, Indian enemies to the right. west and north. So she could have been used that way as um, a kind of an ambassador, and so perhaps her father even encouraged the marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and the English certainly wanted her to marry because they wanted to use her as an example of the wonderful work that right. they were doing in Virginia in converting Indians to Christianity and making right. them into little English people. Right. They and even so they were, brought her back to England, didn't they? Right. Yeah. They took her back to England to show her off to try to, to, to promote more um, to get more money. They oh, gosh. To raise more money from English people back in London and other places. So they showed her off to try to encourage more more giving, mm -hmm. more giving of funds to continue to um, build their settlement. Um, but we don't know why Pocahontas did some of the things she did, and she died so young. She never wrote about any of her life. Everybody mm -hmm. else wrote about her. Sure. So we don't really understand her motivations. Sure. Yeah, without her like words, it's hard to know. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Your third question, Elizabeth? Who did the settlers name Jamestown after? Jamestown was named for King James I of England. <laughs> um, 
and and uh, he was the man who granted the Virginia colonists their first charter and, and subsequent charters too, which gave them the rights and responsibilities to settle this part of the New World. So he was the he's the monarch or the king of England, and they named it for him, and they named the river for him as well. A settlement and a river. <laughs> Elizabeth, what was your last question? Which leader helped flee Jamestown? Were any of the famous founding fathers there, or some some names that should be more familiar to us than they are? Well, probably everybody knows the name of Captain John Smith, and he's probably, so. probably he's the foremost name. But he's only it's interesting because he's only here um, parts of three years. Oh, when he first arrives, he's not even allowed to be part of the governing council because he had done some things on the voyage over, and they had put him under guard. Oh, so there were actually, um, but then he was released, and there were seven men who formed a council. And most of those names are names most people probably don't recognize. Three of the names were the ship's captains. And I know in mm-hmm. the first podcast, you, said, you talked with Anne about Christopher Newport and Bartholomew Osnold and John Radcliffe. They were three we of the counselors. And then there were a group of others um, who were involved. But rather quickly in the first year or so, those people either went back to England, like Christopher Newport was on the council, but he was never really here, not much, not often. So what ended up happening by 1609 was John Smith was <clears throat> kind of the last counselor standing, if you will. Okay. And so he pronounced himself basically, in effect, the president of the college oh. <laughs> and, and the only per- person in charge, really, but he had a bunch of enemies. Um, people who didn't agree with his um, policies and his tactics. And um, he was injured in the fall, early fall of 1609 in a bad gunpowder explosion yeah. that burned part of his body and sort of forced him to go back to England to get better medical treatment for his mm-hmm. burns. Okay. So he was out of the picture by fall of 1609. Um, and coming in... Uh, in um, 1610, 1610 up, up to um, the teens were these three really tough military men that I like to call the three Thomases. Okay. And I don't know if students have heard of them, but it's Thomas, Sir Thomas Gates mm-hmm. and Sir Thomas Dale and Sir Thomas West, who we know as Lord DeLawar. Uh-huh. And he, DeLawar was had been named by the Virginia Company to be the governor. Okay. They changed things, and instead of a president, they made a governor of the colony. He's the first governor. And hmm. all three of these men were really tough military men. They had fought um, in England and Ireland and in other European countries, um, and they were going to rule this colony with an iron fist. Oh, goodness. And they established pretty harsh military laws which had very strict punishments to try to whip this colony into shape. Wow. So that was a new brand of leaders. The colony was kind of floundering around. Even though Smith tried hard, he had some enemies who didn't always go along with his tactics, like I said. But when these three guys came in, these three leaders, they really um, got the colony going um, on a better, on a straighter path Mm -hmm. um, and, and more permanent path. And that yeah. was during the time when tobacco began to be grown. More people okay. wanted to plant tobacco, so you had that coming in. So the colony sure. became 
under, on firmer foundation um, when those three men became the leaders of the colony. So everybody knows about John Smith, and John mm-hmm. Smith kind of led things in the early years, but he actually wasn't around and wasn't doing a whole lot after 1609 yeah. writing about the colony back <laughs> in England. But he it's, never came back. Yeah, it's funny how history works like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for walking us through this today. We really appreciate it. Sure, sure. All right. And I hope I answered um, Elizabeth's questions. I'm sure you did. And thank you so much, too, Elizabeth. Bye. Goodbye. Remember when she said that one of the reasons the settlers chose Jamestown was because there were no Native Americans there, and we thought that maybe they should have taken that as a clue, that it was a place they didn't want to settle? Well, it turns out that there was something in the water, and when people drank it, they got really sick. A couple of years after the settlers arrived, there was a drought, and without enough rain, there was not enough food. John Smith tried to force the Native Americans to trade with us, but there just wasn't enough, so then he tried to steal. And of course, that was really bad for the relationship. So when John Smith went back to England after those gunpowder burns, the settlers began to starve in our fort. So people inside were sick and hungry, and Nancy said they even had to eat things like snakes and rats and any other animals they could find. Yuck. Despite all of that, the Jamestown settlement persevered and the Virginia colony continued to grow. It became really spread out as tobacco farming took off, and by the end of the 1600s, the capital had moved to Williamsburg. In the 18th century, which is the 1700s, Jamestown was still there, but it was just a few farms. It had gone from being the biggest city, well, the only city, in the American colonies, to a place with just a few family farms. Isn't it crazy how that can happen? the beginning of the show, I promised you a surprise. Are you ready? When Elizabeth asked her question earlier about Pocahontas, I bet you guys had no idea that we were going to be going back in time this week to talk to her husband, John Rolfe. So come with me as we go back to Jamestown in 1621. He's going to meet us as we get off the ship. Hi, Mr. Rolfe. And I see you've just arrived off the ship from England. Yes, we, I just arrived. Can you tell us a little bit about life in Jamestown? My goodness, life now is good. But I must tell you, in the early days, it was not so good. There was a great deal of pain and suffering, and I must say death as well. Uh, This colony, in the beginning, uh, did not do well, and it was for a number of reasons, of course. Uh, There was was illness, and and there was uh, fighting with the Indians, and there was famine, and and, uh, all sorts of problems resulted. I, I must tell you that the the famine, uh, uh, not enough to eat, uh, that issue was uh, not completely resolved, but it was certainly made better by my wife, Pocahontas, when she was but a child. She was just 10 or 11 years old at the time, and she brought food to the starving settlers uh, at Jamestown. Uh, And so uh, uh, for any who are young that you may know, they don't have to wait until they become adults to do good and great things. A girl, just a child, by the name of Pocahontas, saved enough of the settlement at Jamestown for it to go on. That's wonderful. So how else have things changed over the years? In the, in the early days, um, we, we had a, a system whereby uh, we fed ourselves by producing what we could. There was hunting and fishing and planting. 
And uh, the idea was, uh, whatever you produced, well, it went into something called a common storehouse. Uh, that is where all the food produced uh, was collected, and then it was uh, divided up according to the number of settlers, however many that might be. Well, That, that sounds very different than in England. But under this system, no, everyone, those who worked hard and those who worked not at all got the same. And it did not work well. And we only were able to resolve that by uh, having each person to ha who would not eat from the common storehouse to have three acres. And uh, when that was the case, well, everyone was well fed. And it seemed that everyone worked harder. Wow, that's wonderful. So what do you grow now? Um, um, I, Of course, we all grow uh, food to sustain our lives. But, but the thing I grow now is, is the food that sustains a business. But so the thing that finally I found that would bring a profit and that we could sell uh, to have things we wanted was tobacco. I understand that's a very popular crop here. Oh, yes, it is, and for good reason as well. You see, we've tried many other things. Uh, we tried silk making and, and uh, wine making and glass blowing and timber from trees and pitch and tar from the swamps and, and sassafras. None of those wow. things brought uh, much money. Uh, but I'll tell you, if you spend your time growing tobacco, you will reap a great return and the profits will be great. My goodness. So what are the main ways Jamestown has changed uh, from when you got here to when I'm arriving? Oh, my, my goodness. Well, uh, now, of course, there are so many, many, many more English here than there were when I first arrived here. Um, uh, the, the ships have been arriving now for 14 years since 1607, and there have been hundreds and hundreds, many hundreds of, of English to arrive here. Also, uh, in recent years, the last couple of years, since 1619, the last two years, there have been a, a larger number of, of uh, women coming, coming here. Um, we had a few women in the early days, but not many. But now there are many women uh, coming from England uh, as well. Well, that's certainly a nice change. So there are families now. And because there are families, uh, there's more likely to be a permanent uh, colony. Uh, when the men were here alone, laboring and suffering and dying in such great numbers, uh, there was a great desire by everyone, or most everyone here, uh, to go back to England. They did not want to stay. Uh, but now, as things are better, as, uh, and as women are finding a life here as well, and families, then, um, uh, of course, the chance of the colony becoming permanent is much, much better. Now, when I came, I was a little bit worried. I know that the Spanish are nearby and also the Indians. Should we be worried? Well, as far as the Indians are concerned, the Powhatans, no. Uh, we are now friends with the Powhatans. There was a great deal of fighting for seven years in the early days. Uh, but when I married Pocahontas, uh, the daughter of the, the great chief Powhatan, uh, the fighting stopped. And, and we've been at peace now since that time. So we're at peace with the, the Powhatan uh, Indians. Um, as for the, for the Spanish, 
I do not know. There are many here who have great concerns and fears about the Spanish. Uh, the Spanish, of course, would like to have this place. Mm -hmm. So to the French, so to the Dutch and others. So we are uh, skeptical of, of the Spanish. And, of course, uh, our religions are, are quite different. In England, uh, the Church of England, a Protestant church, and in, in Spain, the Catholic Church dominates. And, and there's a, a, a trouble between us in that way as well. Oh, we'll have to see how it all works out. Well, uh, there's great optimism and hope now. There's more optimism now than there ever has been in this colony. Um, uh, more, as I said, uh, more are coming here from England. I, I suspect that there's a great future uh, for this place called Virginia. Um, we uh, have uh, much hope now, much more so than the early years. Well, that is wonderful to hear. Is there anything else I should know about Jamestown before I go back to my own time? I would say perhaps uh, the most important thing is that the common man, not the kings, not the queens, not the, the great nobles and the royalty, the common man and woman here in Virginia has enormous opportunity. You, you can't own property in England because you can't afford it. It is very dear, very expensive. Mm -hmm. But I, I will tell you, here you have opportunity uh, and you can own property here. Uh, but, and not only that, we now, since 1619, two years ago, we have a little parliament here. We literally do. We call that the, the, the General Assembly. And it is where not the kings and not the queens determine what the law is, but we, we subjects of the king, get together and elect our own, and we make our own laws. Uh, this That's is wonderful. This is very important, and we, we relish this very important English tradition. Uh, it has changed our lives, and I'm hoping there will be a Virginia next year and the next decade. I hope there'll be a, a Virginia in the next century. Can you imagine a Virginia in the year of 1721? Can you imagine what the world will be like in the future in 1721? Well, I hope there's a Virginia here at that time. That would be something. We'll have to wait and see. Very good. Well, it is a pleasure to talk with you, and I hope you, you have uh, prosperity in your life here and health and that you have a, a very long and happy life. Thank you very much, Mr. Rolf. You're very welcome. Now I would also like to introduce everyone to Dick Cheatham. Hi, Dick. Hi. It was a pleasure <laughs> to talk with you pretending to be... John Rolfe. Hi, thanks for joining us today. So, oh, as a what else can you tell us? Oh, uh, this uh, uh, Jamestown uh, colony is so important to all of us. And, 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 and what I mean by that is this. A lot of Americans wrongly think that the United States got its beginnings at, um, at, at Plymouth Rock and, and when the Pilgrims sure. landed in 1620. That was 13 years after Jamestown, right. 13 years later. And all the things you heard just before from John Rolfe, um, they all happened before the pilgrims arrived. Mm -hmm. um, Jamestown was the place where the seed of our type of government um, was planted in America, and it didn't die. It kept yeah. going. And um, 
the seed planted at, at Jamestown uh, became the USA. Matter of fact, we had a birthday party back in 2007. Some of you who are listening to this probably weren't even alive there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but we had a birthday party uh, in 2007 that was a 400-year birthday wow. party for Jamestown. That's a long time. It is. And um, the president and, and the, the Queen of England was even here. Um, it was really, really an extraordinary thing because they knew how important it was. It is. It's so important. And, you know, they're still doing a lot of work at Jamestown today with digging up artifacts and finding new things and learning more. Absolutely. One of the ways that we learn about Jamestown is to um, do archaeology. That's when you kind of dig in the dirt and you look and see what people left, what mm -hmm. they dropped and what they didn't need, their, their trash. Even their trash was very important. Can you imagine if people in, say, 400 years were to look at the trash that we throw out today? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I can tell you that people will learn a lot about us yes. by looking at what we didn't need anymore. <laughs> yes, and that's, that's what they're doing at Jamestown. They're, they're, um, they're digging up so many things. Um, the head of archaeology there is uh, a, a man by the name of Dr. William Kelso, and he has dug up, and his team, uh, he has a good team of archaeologists, they have dug up over 2 million artifacts. Wow. And that's just incredible. That that's is. That's incredible stuff. And One it's... of the most fascinating things I think they dug up was a label that was on a box uh, it was the label was made out of metal and it was made in England, and it was put on the box to show where the box was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. So the word is Jamestown on the metal label. <laughs> well, here they are digging in the dirt at Jamestown and they find a a, a little metal thing that says Jamestown, Jamestown. <laughs> uh, which, which I think is amazing. Wow! And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I'm correct in my memory on this. That label that they dug up at Jamestown was sent into space on one of the space, space flights and returned to us. Wow, that uh, label has seen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the man who made that label back in 1606 or 167? Wow. Um, uh, can you imagine him thinking that that label would go into space and come back? It's incredible what people can do. It is. How far it we've really come. Is. And you just never know what they're going to, to dig up next and discover, and it could change history again. Absolutely. I, I've asked um, when they will be finished with the archaeology, when they'll be finished <laughs> digging, and the answer has, uh, has been... Never. In hundreds of years. <laughs> yeah. Hundreds of years. Yep. Well, that is wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciated this and learned a lot. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for letting me share a little bit of, about Jamestown with you. And I, I hope all your guests and, and, and listeners will uh, either be able to visit and or to uh, read a lot more about Jamestown. I'm Thank sure you. they will. Thanks. Whoa, this episode was packed with information, so let's talk about it. There were a lot of reasons that the settlers chose Jamestown. They thought that the world was so tiny that they could go through the Chesapeake Bay right across America and around the world to get to Asia, and from there they could get silk and spices and all kinds of things to make money. 
They definitely learned their lesson though, didn't they? The world was a little bit bigger than they thought. They also chose that spot because it wasn't taken yet by the Spanish explorers and there were no Native Americans living there. But they found out the hard way that there was a reason no Native Americans were living there. The water was making people sick. Pocahontas herself never really said why she did what she did, so we can only guess. We wish that we knew, but we just don't. Jamestown was named for King James I of England, who granted the charter for the Virginia Company to go exploring. As for who was in charge of Jamestown, that's a little bit trickier. The captains of the ship, as well as John Smith, worked together for a while, but the captains kind of came and went. After a while, James Smith was really the only one left, so he just decided that he would name himself president. He did have a lot of enemies, though, so after he was injured and went back to England, there were some people who weren't too sorry that he wasn't in charge anymore. Next, the three Thomases came over from England, Thomas Gates, Thomas Dale, and Thomas West. And they're the three that really got Jamestown into shape and successful for the future. Next week, we'll be heading on up the coast to Plymouth Rock. And I bet that's where a lot of you thought that's where the very first settlers landed. It's going to be a really fun episode. Thank you so much to everyone who joined me today and everyone who listened. To learn more about me, the books, the podcast, everything, visit growingpatriots.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Growing Patriots. And I will see you next week. Bye. They freed us all from tyranny. We stand the thing for liberty. And they thought so we would be America, land of the free.